Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. You can't really take him a day south as a person. Can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like that. The nightcap. We're eating the food on WGR Sports Radio 550. Linus Olmark, everybody. Reaping a, the fruit. A national treasure. A eh, local treasure. International treasure. He's from Sweden. That can be said. <laughs> Excuse me. I think you can call Linus Olmark a local treasure. I think you can call him an international treasure. But I don't think you can call him a national treasure. Which is strange, isn't it? Right. But I think that's the way it works here. He's an international treasure, but not a national treasure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think it's fair. It's weird, but it's fair. Welcome in to the Nightcap Wednesday edition here on WGR. Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer hanging out with you guys tonight. Sabres hosting the Hurricanes tomorrow. Sabres got a win over Minnesota last night. Probably the most memorable game against the Wild I can remember ever. Maybe not most memorable, because if you do think back to the tank year, there was a 7 nothing loss. To Minnesota that was hotly contested the day after. The only thing I remember about that game is, well, one, that it went bad and I turned it off. But two, that I just still remember Jeremy White's voice in my head screaming at the top of his lungs the next morning, who thought 30th was supposed to look good? Along those lines. I remember getting free parking by accident. At that 7 nothing game? At that 7 nothing game. How's that? I was driving into the... Uh... Actually, the parking ramp for Harbor Center. I was going to pay the guy, and then uh, some angry gentleman walked up, wanted his money back because he was going to park in a different garage, and said, thanks for nothing. It was Andre Mazaros. And then he, uh, and then the parking attendant said, go on ahead. Like He just must have either thought that we already paid or something. It just like, Or maybe he recognized that it was Andre Mazaros who was getting mad. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so... Now we sit three points back. We're still three points back uh, of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They play the Hurricanes tomorrow. Same amount of points. Uh, Winner will pull within one, assuming that the Blue Jackets don't win, which I guess I should not assume because they did win last night in Colorado. Last night, I had a lot of observations. Great time uh, hanging out with all the WGR staff members in our sweep. Little midseason celebration sort of thing. Uh, And it was fun. And it was a great game. It's a great game to be at. They're 4-0 when I'm in the arena this year. You should go to more games. I know. I should go to Maybe it's my fault that they've fell out of this. Now, here's the thing. But they're good at home. Here's you the thing. You need to travel. I don't know if I'm allowed to say they're undefeated when I go to games. They're 4-0 in the games I attend. However, one of the games that I attended was the Vancouver game at the beginning of the 10-game win streak. I left with 2 minutes and 45 seconds left. They were down 2 goals. They came back and won when I was not there. So am I allowed to say 
that they have not lost yet when I am in the arena because I did leave a game when they were down two and the comeback happened once I was I had exited the, the premises. It depends on how the official stat goes in on that. I mean, Matt Castle won his start as a Buffalo mm, Bills quarterback because he comparison. started as a quarterback. That's a great comparison. It, Matt Castle... On the technically is one and zero. Yes, all time as a Bills starting quarterback. Exactly. Undefeated. It depends on how the official scorekeeping goes on this. But what? See, the, I'm not looking for official though. I'm looking for. Can I tell people that I'm four and zero? The Sabers are four and zero when I go to games. Did you go to all four games? Yeah. Did they win all four games? Yeah. Then yes. Even though. You can leave that. Even de- though the one comeback came once I was gone. You can leave that detail out. The only people that would be able to confirm that with you were the people you went with. See, I also, like, I feel like this with people at the comeback game. It's like, oh, I, I saw the comeback game. Did you see the comeback game or were you at the comeback game and you left before the comeback part? Because otherwise then you just... Well, they were letting people back in. Right. Oh, that's right. That's right. So that's different. Okay. You're right. It is different. So if I had re-entered, then... Which you would not have been allowed to. Uh, either way, you're saying I can say that I'm undefeated this year. You can... Okay. Until now... When you said it, I'm you could have left that catch out of there. I know, but I I wanted to know because I felt I felt weird about saying they're four and zero when I go to games. But I'm going to keep saying. But that. I'm going to say right. I'm going to say it simply. Did you're, you go to all four games? You're giving me a pass to do it, so I'm going to continue to do yeah, it. They are undefeated when it I it is facts. Did right. you go to those four games? And yes. did they win those four games? Okay, that correlates. Beautiful. Um. Anyways, last night's game was I thought supremely entertaining. A lot of goals. Overtime was great. Getting mad at the referees. No one loves getting mad at the referees more than I do. Uh, overtime was that for sure. Just, oh, how did they not call that pick on Ryan Suter? Thousand percent a penalty. They didn't call it. I was getting into it. Uh, we were all getting into it. We got some airtime on TV, so it was fun. And like I said, they got the two points. That's what's most important because I want them to stay in this race more than anything. And they're going to have to keep pace with the Blue Jackets and now the Hurricanes, too. And they're going to have to fend off the Flyers. Like, there's some company around them. And there's less spots to go for. I still think Montreal is a spot that the Sabres can shoot for that's realistic. Otherwise, it looks like it's just Columbus right now. And that's before the trade deadline, knowing what they'll do with their stars. Anyways, last night's game, a lot of observations and... Before I get into my main topic for what I want to talk about tonight, and if you want to see what it is beforehand, i got to pull up at, at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter. You can vote there. Uh, it pertains to Rasmus Ristolainen. We'll get to him uh, later on here. That's what I want to spend the most time, but I want to get some observations out of the way first because I've had some things on my chest about this Sabres wild game last night and kind of what the state of the team is. Housley, the roster, the lines were changed today. And... If you heard me about a month ago shouting about how we needed to change the lines up and the line that I wanted to see... Because Housley really, for a solid stretch there, kept the lines largely the same. He had the Eichel line with Skinner and Reinhardt. He basically kept Rodriguez and Middleset and Sherry as a line for a long time, I'm pretty sure. Larson and Giergensen's have been together pretty much all season. Um... Feels like Sabotka and Thompson have been together for a majority of the season. And I wanted to see a line that considered, or that had Eichel with Connor Sherry and Kyle Poso. In my mind, and on paper, made a lot of sense. You got two wingers in Kyle Oposo and Connor Sherry that in their past 
have had great success while playing with elite centermen. Kyle Poso with John Tavares, and then, to a slightly lesser extent, Ryan O'Reilly. On the other side, Connor Sherry with Sidney Crosby. And very little time spent with Evgeny Malkin. Put him with Eichel. Eichel's an elite centerman. That'll work. You got two guys that have been great with elite centermen. Just feels like that would work. The formula makes sense. All right, that lasted two periods last night. So maybe not such a great idea. They really, like, Eichel seemed off those first two periods to me. He had some moments, the penalty kill, for instance, where he, he that last night was the first time, I think, in a while he's played significant penalty kill time. He takes the puck, almost goes coast-to-coast coast by himself. He beats Ryan Suter oh, to the net. Oh, that drag. The drag. Oh. If he holds on to it for a split second longer, he probably scores because Dubnik stopped his slide across about midway through his crease. And I think Eichel maybe thought Dubnik was going to come all the way with him, and he tried to lift it over his shoulder. If he holds on to it for another split second, he scores there, and it would have been one of the goals of the season. Still got a great opportunity. Five on five, playing with Sherry Nicposo, there was not much there. There wasn't much shot generation. Eichel seemed, it's, he seemed like he wasn't very confident in the guys he'd be passing the puck to. He seemed like he was he had to carry it more. And say, like Sherry, whenever he gets the puck, he would give it right to Eichel. Same with Poso. That didn't really work. By the third period, Eichel's back with Skinner. Today practice, Eichel's with Skinner in Palmville. That experiment seems over. That seems like a bad idea. All right. C.J. Smith cannot come out of this lineup. For the rest of the season. He needs to be here. He produces offense. Something that they do not have a lot of in their forward depth right now. Two games in a row he scored for the Sabres. And sure, you could say last night was in, it was an easy goal for him. But if you really break down that play, his skating ability is what shoots him into that open area. If you look... At when he at, at just him on the replay, he mo- does his little hip thrust that like Skinner does a lot that catapulted him into that open space that allowed the goal to be so easy. Opened himself up so Reinhardt could put the pass right in his stick, and he made no mistake about it. And like I said, it's easy to say, "Oh, it was an easy goal." He had the whole net. There are guys on this team that would not have scored there. They would have fanned on it. They would have just flubbed it. Something would have happened. It seems like something would have gone wrong. He needs to stay up here, I think, all season. The rest of the year. And that might take away some playing time from Tage Thompson. Paul Hamilton was on the show last hour, and he mentioned something that I think is right. Thompson, if he's not playing in a top-nine role, maybe does not have a spot for you. Because he's not really a posi- like a fourth-line, grinded-along-the-boards kind of guy. He's more of a flashy playmaker that also has an incredible shot. He does not really fit with the likes of Gergensen and Larson. And as I've said many times, they are just, this year, they just hold the puck in the offensive zone. They don't get many chances, but they just make sure that they hold the puck. Not really Thompson's game. Smith in that top nine, if he keeps playing the way he's, he's been those past couple games, I know small sample size, that might take a spot away from Tage Thompson. It just might. Because he's producing... He's producing with Reinhardt. He produced on the line that he uh, that he scored in with the Devils. I forgot who he was playing with. And he's been producing in Rochester. Thompson has had time. He has not broke out. He's had some great moments. He's had some amazing goals. 
He's got 11 points in over half a season. It's not out of the realm of possibility to me that sitting here today, C.J. Smith is a better hockey player than Tage Thompson is. And if that's true, I don't want a healthy scratch, Thompson. Like, maybe we do get to a point if Smith keeps producing, and that might be a big if to assume right now, but maybe you get to a point where, hey, let's throw Thompson down, give him a few games in Rochester because we don't just want him sitting on the bench. Not what I would do. The reason that's not what I would do is they need to stop playing Vladimir Sapoka. Pronto. Get him off the ice. And it's not just the way he's being used. I just don't think you should have a spot for him in your lineup unless you have injuries. He is a he is a type of player they already have one of. He is Johan Larson. They have two of that kind exactly. of player. Super, super defensive centers who are very good in their own end, very good penalty killers, but you can't you can almost expect nothing out of them in the offensive zone. And Larson I think has had moments this year, like not a lot of them, but I think he's been a good possession player in the offensive zone and I think he's had a couple of good goals. I think we can all see that. Like the, that goal he scores against the Flyers, like that was all him. Just in- roofed it. Remember uh, when, Eichel, ago, when Eichel had that little disappearance in the Vancouver game? Mm-hmm. And Johan Larson's dragging all over the Canucks defenders. And it's yeah. like, hang on. Right. You're on Eichel's line for the moment, Larson, but you didn't just swap jerseys, did you? Right. He's not consistent at all but, offensively, but he does have moments. But it's sad that you can go ahead and fully expect more offense from Johan Larson than you can from Vladimir Saboka. I completely agree with that, even though like you might look at the, the stats and say, hey, Saboka's got 10 points. Larson's got eight. But I think that's kind of hiding something. Saboka's got ten points? He's got ten points. He got seven assists. I think those have been a lot of secondary assists as of late. Um, three goals on the season for Saboka, two of which came in one game. Like one period maybe even. One for the rest. I looked this up. In the last 79 games played for Saboka, going back to last year in St. Louis, 79 games, he has five goals. Averaging roughly 16 minutes of ice time in that span. About 15 for the Sabres this year, 17 for the Blues last year. Smith has two goals in his last 16 total minutes played. He played 11 last night, and he played 11 against New Jersey. And in the last 16 minutes he has played, he has two goals. Averaging 16 minutes a night for 79 games, Saboka has five. And someone came back at me earlier today with, but they're not the same position. One thing that the Sabres actually have an advantage of right now is a lot of their forwards are versatile. There are, a lot of them are actually former centermen who have transitioned to play wing in their careers. Right now, they're sitting with a spot. Let's just, for a second, take Sabotka out of the lineup. You still have four centers. You have Eichel. You have Middlestat, you have Rodriguez, and you have Larson. And if you were to get in a pinch, Giergensen has played center a lot in his career. He can be your fourth-line center, and I don't think you'd miss a beat. Reinhardt, they probably don't want to do this, but if you got in a pinch in the middle of a game, he was drafted as a center, he played center all his life, and he's done it sparingly since. He can do it if you need him to. They do not need Saboka in this team. I'd, I'd almost rather see Kevin Porter at this point. I'm not even kidding. They're so thin down the middle once you get past what they have in the organization right now. Like, that's the next name you talk about, which is tough, is Kevin Porter. 
Like, I'd almost rather see him play at this point. I'm done. That's the worst contract on their team. Three and a half million for Vladimir Sabotka. And the only reason he's really even here is because the Blues wanted him in that trade. So, all of that being said, it's not a crime to have him in the lineup. He can be on my fourth line. I won't be too upset. The reason that all of this to me has been highlighted and the reason that you're even allowing fans and myself to get on a player like that is when you overuse them. And that is exactly what Phil Housley has been doing with Saboka. And that's one of the glaring parts of what Housley has done this season that makes me start to question him. Is when you have a guy like that on the ice in 3-on-3 overtime. The moment in a game where skating ability and skill is highlighted more than ever. is 3-on-3 overtime. And you've got a guy who has three goals on the season out there. Because he's taking a draw? You need him to take a draw. Ryan Suter, the wild defenseman, took a draw and won it. Before. Like, it doesn't matter that much that you are leaving guys on the bench who are better players because you're trying to win the faceoff. That doesn't make any sense. I respect the fact that possession is nine-tenths of the law in overtime. If you have the puck, you're you're at least not going to lose that way. We've seen it many times where that sort of thing. The game against Montreal that goes to overtime, for example. Montreal misses their shot. Ristolainen comes back the other way out of the dog end of a shift, rifles it, and it's in the net. A missed shot could be killer in overtime. So, therefore, possession is something that I do respect out of, I agree with that. Out of Phil's, Phil Halsey's thinking. I respect that part of it. I think he's overthinking it, though. Exactly. On that scenario, when Vladimir Saboka takes the ice before Jeff Skinner has seen the ice in overtime, you are right. overthinking it. Right. And really, like if you do look at it on the sets, he is their best centerman when it comes to faceoffs. Should I should, should have made sure to put that in there. He is. But not by enough where you're doing that in that spot. Yeah, this he's isn't only, Ryan O'Reilly. He's a couple percentage points over your other guys. Rodriguez, Eichel, uh, Middlestat. Like, he's only a couple percentage points over those guys. It's not a drastic difference where you need you should have him ever on the ice in a three on three overtime. He's gotten power play minutes this season. He has been on the ice when you are down one goal with the goalie pulled. He has been the guy that filled in for Eichel when Eichel left at one point with an injury. I think that was the Vancouver game. His instinct was to put Saboka on line one. That worries me. When you're putting a guy in a role that he has no business being in. Because to this point, he hasn't proven to be capable of any of those roles. He's capable to do what I think all of us, fans, me, everybody, would foresee his job to be. Fourth line, defensive-minded forward, who's a really good penalty killer. And he's put in way too many other spots. And that's when fans start to get on a guy like that. Why did everybody get on Vili Leno more than Matt Ellis? Was it because Matt Ellis was a better hockey player than Vili Leno? It was because Leno was paid so much, overpaid, and he was a guy who played on a top six role and did nothing for you. The expectations is where it came. And as it stands now, it's a $3.5 million player that you can't trust, I think, to be in your top nine. 
And that's not on the Sabres. That's on the Blues. I don't know what they were thinking with that contract. But that was on the Blues. Anyways, that doesn't... To, overall point here on Sabotka, I don't think you don't have to be stuck with him in an important role just because you were stuck with him in that trade. You can let him be a role player while being a $3.5 million cap it on your books, on your fourth line, and you don't have to worry about it. But when you're putting him on the ice in three-on-three overtime with Zach Bogosian and Evan Rodriguez, that's a bad job. And last night, I don't fi- I- I'm still on the fence. I don't know if it was a Bronx cheer. If you were in the arena, like Texas, 550-550 if you want, let me know if you, you thought it was. Because I'm on the fence. Some of us in the press box thought it or in the suite thought it was. Some didn't. And when... Sabotka, Bogosian, and Rodriguez were on the ice. There was a like a relief when the puck went out of play because they had been chased around on their own end. 17 gave the puck away like right in front of his own net. Allmark bailed him out. And when the play stopped and they went to the bench and Eichel, Darlene, Skinner came out, that was maybe the biggest cheer of the night. I maybe want to chalk that up more to not a Bronx cheer to Housley, but just like, all right, Let's here go. we go. Now, these are our best three players. Let's go. This is going to be exciting. Yes. End to this overtime. I think I want to chalk the majority of that up to that. But I do want to leave a little bit of possibility was... that people were like, hey, coach, you got it. As, you know, you know, we were all there last night in the, in the suite, but I'm with you for one reason and one reason alone. I don't know if a Bronx cheer gets that loud. Mm, good point. That good, was, yeah, good point. That was probably That's legitimate right. excitement. Like, I've heard some loud Bronx cheers though. Yes, but that was. It, oh, it, you know what? I I'll, let me let me let me add this point. Maybe it's not the volume. Like maybe it wasn't just so loud. It was how long it was. Yes, Bronx like it, cheers are shorter. Exactly. Okay, I, it I was like one that. of those things where it was. That's fair. It seemed more of genuine excitement. You could chalk it up to that, but again, it was it was for me. It was part volume and mm-hmm. the length that you bring up as well is probably the best point sure. about it. And really, like, it's not just Sapoka. Like, there are a couple of questionable decisions that I think we're all kind of getting on Housley for. I am not in a spot, and this conversation's come up on the station this week. I'm not in a spot where I think you need to fire him at all after the season. No. At all. I, I, I can't see a scenario that's realistic where I'd want him fired. As a matter of fact, one unless of the, they just lost out. As a matter of fact, crazy. one of the conversations in the suite last night, uh, I was talking with Brayton Wilson, and the question was. What happens, you know, with Housley if, for example, they don't make the playoffs? I said, if you don't make the playoffs and you blew that 10-game mm-hmm. winning streak and everything of the sort, you're probably on mid-season watch next year. Another, I agree that. Another slow start and you're probably kaput. I'm, the, the funny part about that is, like, he, I feel like, is starting to lose some rope, especially with the fans. But I'm not really in that spot. Like, I'm still optimistic that this is going to work with him because I love the style of hockey he wants to play. Yes, I agree. But it's just some of his decision-making is making people right. want to bash their it's, face in the wall. It's the decisions that are happening within the style he wants to play because there's some inconsistencies. If you really are the coach that is going to come in here and you're going to make your defensemen play aggressive, which is the way I think teams should be playing nowadays, have your defensemen pinch in, join the offensive rushes, uh, play aggressive style hockey. And to me, that means I want fast, offensive-minded, puck-moving defensemen. That's Lawrence Pilot. There have been some questionable decisions with him this season. That's not Zach Bogosian, who is getting a ton of minutes this season. And even, that's not Rasmus Ristolainen, 
And he's playing about the same that he was under the last coach. About the same. That's not Marco Scandella, who is yet to come out of the lineup, even though he's had as many mistakes as anybody on this team this season. There's some inconsistencies that do have me worried, while I'm also being optimistic. So I'm still kind of on the fence with the coach. But like I said, I'm not going to be in a spot by the end of the season, and I don't think really anybody should be. Two years, it's happened where it's gone bad enough where you fire a guy after two years. We've seen it here. But this year, if you still look at it as an overall, has been better than expected, I think. Or at least as good as you would have hoped. Or wanted. Like, they were just, get me in a race. That was all year. Get me in a race. They're in one. But there are some questionable decisions this coach is making that do have me worried. Saboka is number one. Um, and then behind that, you've got some questionable decisions I still think with Pilot, even though he struggled at times. The amount of ice time the guys like Bogosian and Scandella get. And really even goaltending to an extent as well. The Olmark thing. The, the, the thing he says the other night about how, or the other morning with Howard and Jeremy, that he won, and that's the that's the reason, or that he didn't win, even though Allmark played amazing in Dallas. He didn't win, so we didn't give him the next start. Maybe he just said that just to say something in that moment. I, ha- I want to believe that that's not the way decisions are being made. Because in that logic, tomorrow against Carolina, Allmark can stand in his head, have a 65-save game, Allowing one goal. If the Sabres could shut out, we're going back to Hutton. I don't want to live with a team where that's possible. I don't think it is. I think that's a very exaggerated situation. But it has you wondering after uh, what he said there and some of the other decisions that have been made this season. The guy I want to talk the most about tonight, Rasmus Ristolainen. There's still a lot of controversy about him. Not controversy, but debate. Really how good he is. There are... There's the analytics argument, um, possession stats, all of that. That really says he is not a good defenseman, almost at all. Like, his numbers are bad. Then there's the uh, complete 180. The old school, the guy, people who want the old school style defenseman. He is that with some offense added in. Then there's people in the middle who I think recognize how good he is and maybe don't want to chase him off. So we'll kind of explore where we're at with Rasmus Ristolainen. And my Twitter question that you can vote at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter is, are you okay with Ristolainen being your second best defenseman for the next decade? Because it might be setting up for that. At SneakyJoeWGR, are you okay with Ristolainen being the second best defenseman on the Sabres for the next decade? 803 is the phone number if you want to get in on that or Housley, Sabotka, anything that I've touched on overall in the first segment. 55550 is the text line and uh, also on Twitter. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer here on WGR. You know, my mindset, no matter who I'm playing with, I'm, I'm trying my best to create offense and uh, help our team in, in that aspect. And, you know, with Roger and CJ, I, I thought we did that for the most part. And, and obviously with Mitzi and Shears, I thought we created a lot in, in a short time we were together. So we are just looking to keep that going. Sam Reinhart, I agree. I thought that line played great yesterday. Smith, three great plays last night. Can we kill the Reinhardt's only good with Eichel narrative? Oh, no. He has not done it on a large enough basis at all. And at least I can count to... on one hand how many, gra- ga- how many great games I think he's had in his career without Eichel. 
would yesterday have been one of them? Yep. So I, I'm not I'm not there, but yeah. I, but I figure the question I'm soft. Should... I'm very much softened on him. Yeah, like I was, I was ready to trade him before O'Reilly. Um, remember, for... I wanted Skinner for him. Yeah, and for Jeff uh, Skinner, no less. Like this year, he's definitely like he's improved. Yeah, it's time to start yeah. asking the question, though. I would for have, sure, I would, I would say I agree with that. Uh, Smith, though, like I thought he had three great plays last night. The goal to get himself into that area and just to make sure like that he buries that. That was one of them. Um, he had a two on one with Reinhardt in the first, I think, and he came down, and it looked like he made the pass too late, but it was almost perfect because the defenseman played it to make the pass, any pass tough, and Smith got the pass through, and Reinhardt almost deflected it in, like right before, right, like a, like an inch uh, in front of Dubnik, and he almost got that in. So that was another great play, I thought, by Smith, and then he had another one that didn't turn into much. He was coming along the boards, and the defenseman kind of stumbled, and he recognized that, and he stopped, cut to the middle, like on a dime. I really think it showed how good a skater he is. He cut to the middle, and I think you just want the release to be a little quicker there because he was caught from behind before he can get a shot off. But you saw, like, that will work once in a while. He stopped on the wall, cut to the middle, had the puck in the slot, like ready to go, grade A scoring chance. He did get caught from behind, but that was almost another amazing play. By Smith, so like he's creating, and I like that. I like that line a lot. Uh, we'll see how how's these new lines do. I think he had Smith with Oposo and Rodriguez. We'll see. I don't know how you get Oposo going at this point. I've tried to defend the dude for a couple years. Like I thought he was playing pretty good for them the past two seasons. This year, it's really it's not possible to have that take. Like he's not giving them much of anything. Even playing with Eichel last night, it's tough. Twitter poll. On Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR, are you okay with Rasmus Ristolainen being the Sabres' second-best defenseman for the next decade? Because it's kind of setting up to be that way. Also, kind of talked about Housley in the first segment, uh, how much rope he should really have. He's made some questionable decisions in my mind uh, in the uh, just over first half of this season. Let's go to the phone lines. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's start with Tony. Tony, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, good evening, guys. Great subject matter tonight. Like, Thank you. Like it, like it a lot. Appreciate it. Um, I don't think Phil Housley should have that much rope because he got the team to where it was, where we we looked like for a month this season, like we might even actually go all the way to the finals at that level that they were playing. Now, hear me out for a second. We all thought that the rebuild was far behind, right? That they 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 got it wrong. Well, you hired new regime to kind of get that back on schedule. Because when we drafted Eichel, we thought that around this time we would be competing for the playoffs, if not looking at the potentially going to the finals, being our time or the beginning of our time. And the general manager has done an outstanding job as far as getting this team, as far as the personnel, back on schedule for just that. Now, if there's anything, I, so Housley, on the other hand, it's, you know, I'm still kind of like he should not. I'm, he should be on the hot seat if they don't make it. That's that. I mean, that's if I own the team, that's how I would feel. Especially when you had that kind of a lead middle of the season, you should not have broken down so bad that mm-hmm. putting yourself out of a playoff spot. Now that hinges on our goaltending. We have an awesome young goalie. I like Carter Hutton, but if Carter Hutton doesn't get the bounces in the game. He's average. Love the guy. Love the personality. Love what he brings to the locker room. 
but let's face the, the reality of the situation. And that is the reality. If there's something that they could do with the trade deadline, would be to maybe consider adding a goaltender and maybe mm. like another another scoring piece. And I am totally good with Rasmus Ristolainen being the second tier defenseman next to Dolly any day. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for the call. The only thing I like completely disagree with you there is like add another goalie. Like that's not happening. Yeah. Um, not no. Only, not only Omar's that. playing well as the starter, and Hutton at the very least would be one of the best backups in the league. Yeah. Who, you, which like he's been that actually in his career. Yeah, that's been Carter Hutton's career is right. being one of the better backups in the league. Yeah. More more importantly, like on your point about how much rope Housley should have, like I agree with that. Like hot seat at the end of the year, if things continue to go bad, is right. That's not firing him. That's giving him year, uh, the beginning of year three. Yeah, it's midseason to, watch. Right, to, to prove himself. And I think that's realistic. I think that's probably where the art organization should be if things go bad again. Because we've kind of done the song and dance. You've got to have a scapegoat every time something goes bad. This is kind of the way things work. And you go in a cycle. GM, coach, roster, like over and over. And... The coach and GM went away at the same time. Then, Bottrell and Housley came in. They had a terrible season. Worse than the NHL. You got to blame somebody. They weren't going to fire the GM or the coach. They hadn't just gotten there. So what'd they do? They changed the roster. Lots of turnover. You traded one of your best players in Ryan O'Reilly. That's where the change came. If this year continues to unravel, and I'm not predicting that it's going to. Like, it might. That's definitely realistic. But if it does unravel, who's next to take the blame? It's not going to be the roster. I mean, well, I mean, some people will get traded. But does, like, a major important player get dealt? I don't know if you've even got that guy left in your team or you consider that. I think the coach is next. And it doesn't have to be right after the season, but that does mean that you need to start thinking about it, I think. So that's where I stand with that. And like you said at the end there, look, we'll get into Ristolainen in a second here. Um, I I think, you know what, we'll get into Ristolainen in a second. Let's go to Eric. Eric, you are on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, how you doing? Good to be you. Because I want to talk about a, a couple different things. Okay. Um, first on the line combinations, uh, the, when we were on that 10-game winning streak, he had Skinner, Eichel, and Pominville. Yep. And we won 10 games in a row. And I think Pominville had seven or eight goals in during that time frame, or around that time frame, which to me begs the question, why did he change the lineup to begin with? You know what? I almost got to stop you for a second. I think that it, the 10-game win streak started with that line, and I think somewhere in there, Reinhardt replaced Pominville. I, I might be wrong, but I, I feel yeah, like that happened. I don't want to argue, but I, I, think, I think you're wrong. I think if you go back and you look and okay. find out, at least I'll look anyway. So okay, that, that line was together, but which I mean really brings me to the overarching point is I just don't I don't think Phil Housley is qualified. I don't think I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he knows. I don't think he really knows what he's doing. If you go back to his first season, it took him thirty five games to put back what had been previously the season before had been the number one power play in the league or close to the number one power play in the league. What what took thirty five games? Um, so you know, if you look at his his what he does, I mean, he, these are the kind of things that he does. Um, and I I just don't think he's going to be that guy. There's a big difference between being a, a 
essentially a defensive consultant. Right? Like that's what he was in Nashville. He wasn't even a coach. So to me, there's really no a parallel between being a being a teacher and being a coach. Um, and then uh, about the Rasmus or Salinen thing, you know, that's a tough one. I don't know. I mean, he has all the physical tools for sure. I don't know that he is. I don't know that he gets the mental part of the game. I don't know. He does. Uh, he's good for uh, turning the puck over uh, here and there in, in bad spots every every couple games. So I don't know how comfortable I am with him in that spot. Mm-hmm. Eric, thanks for the call, man. Um, just quickly on Housley, I just do want to correct you there. He was officially an assistant coach. Um, and it says work primarily with defensemen. So like that's right. Like he was just basically working with a defenseman. Um, but he was an assistant coach. And, and that's a minor point anyway. I think that you make a lot of good points on housing. I think I actually agree with them. On Ristolainen, I think that, that I'm, I'm there. I'm there with him. I'm fine with him being the second best defenseman on my team for the long term. And I know there's going to always be doubters out, out there on him. I think he's good. I think he's pretty good. Is he great? No. Did you want great out of him? Absolutely. When he first got here, and he looked really good offensively, and he looked physical, and he looked like he had all the tools you would want in a young defenseman. I was I was saying, hey man, this guy could win the Norris someday. He's got that ability. He did not reach that. Okay, fine. We've been through this before. We've done this song and dance. Tyler Myers was here. Tyler Myers had one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen by a Sabre. He won the Collier. We were all comparing him to the next Chara, except he's faster. Maybe he'll be better than Chara, who's a Hall of Famer, captain of a Stanley Cup winning team, lofty expectations. And then what happened? Tyler Myers became a pretty good defenseman. He did not come near those expectations. So what did we do? We got frustrated with him. We, a lot of us wanted him traded. And ultimately, the organization followed suit, and they ended up moving on. They traded him because he was pretty good and not the amazing elite-level defenseman that we were all expecting. That was part of it. Also part of it, of course, was what the Sabres were tanking. But I think they were trading him anyway. He was in trade rumors. It seemed so. It felt like two years before he was traded, Myers. And neither guy, both Ristolainen and Myers, not making insane cap hits. Expensive? Sure. Over $5 million for Ristolainen. That's expensive. It's not going to kill you. It's not insanely bad. That's what a, I feel like that's typically what a second defenseman gets. Because the top guys are getting 8, 9, 10 million to be franchise defensemen. The next guy below that usually gets about 5. I think that's fair for him. And there are worrisome parts to his game. In his own end, he can be a turnover machine. He's kind of one-dimensional in how to get the puck out. If he gets it behind the net or if he gets it in the corner, he doesn't really take a look. He just kind of fires it up the boards as hard as he can. And sometimes it'll work, and a lot of times it's not going to. So that's a problem. But just because a guy's got some holes to his game and he's not perfect, just because he's not Dalene, does not mean that we have to chase him out of town again. I think he's good enough to be your second-best defenseman. Yes. And sometimes your second-best defenseman is not on your top pairing. We see that oftentimes. Heck, we see it in Nashville, where they split up Roman Yossi and P.K. Subban all the time. Right. Those are your top two defensemen there. They're not on a pairing often. By the way, I found the 
Jason Pomerville thing. He was split off of that line right near the end of the winning streak. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. It was uh, after the Montreal game. Okay. Um, and back on Ristolainen, like, the ice time is there for him. The points are there for him. And those two things are important. Because I guarantee you that if Ristolainen were traded tomorrow, those minutes would go to Zach Bogosian. Absolutely. Ristolainen's at like 25 minutes a night. I guarantee you Bogosian would be over 22 a night, every night. I feel like some of that weight would have been given to Jake McCabe as well. Sure. Okay, fair. And what are all three of those guys to me? They're kind of old school defensemen. Look at what Ristolainen is as a player. Ristolainen is a the most physical player on the team. If a forward on the other team chips it in and goes racing after it into the corner and there's 55, that forward's going to get blasted. He's the most physical player on the team. He's also... like He's, he's, he's almost boom or bust. He has a lot of bad plays. He also has a ton of great ones. The hitting. Like, if you just watch him. He's exciting to watch because he's going to hit people. He's going to make the other team mad. He's also going to go into the offensive zone. He'll blast a slap shot through. He'll score a goal like he did against San Jose. Like, he possesses that ability where he goes between the legs around Brent Burns, a Norris-winning defenseman, and then goes around Martin Jones and scores a highlight real goal. To this day, that might be the best goal of the season. Ristolainen against the Sharks. He has wow plays. He's very enticing. I test. He passes. You dig in on him with the measurements and with the analytics and with the stats, and that cannot be discounted. He does not pass that test. He's passing one of the two. And to me, that makes him about, with his points and everything, all encompassed in. I think he's good enough to be your second best defenseman. Can you do better? Sure. Can you do worse? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... The best part about Ristolainen for me is when he gets involved early in that physical style because then he's playing angry and he's involved and he's trying to rattle the opponent. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you know, he comes up with a creative offensive play because he's been mad. Like those Sabres-Leafs games when he has Nazem Kadri to deal with, those are great little duels. Mm -hmm. Right. I agree. Uh, 8030550 is the phone number if you got anything here on Rasmus Ristolainen. You can tweet at my poll at Sneaky Joe WGR, do you think Ristolainen is, are you good enough, are you okay with him being your second best defenseman for the next 10 years? I'll give you an update on where that's at. I got more on Risto when we come back. 803 is the phone number. It's the nightcap with Jody Piazzi and Derek Kramer on WGR. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. Are you okay with Rasmus Ristolainen is your second best defenseman for the next decade? It's the nightcap. Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer here on WGR. I'll give you an update on what the poll says for uh, you guys voting in a second. Let's go to the phone lines first. Jeff, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm listening to your show. I'm on my way home from work. Um, yeah, I liked a lot of things you said I in regards to... To uh, just quick touch on mm-hmm. Olmark, I think Olmark's 
done his time down in Rochester. I definitely think he's the number one goalie. Yep. And I definitely agree that uh, Hutton is an awesome backup. Uh, he had a hot streak, and now I think that uh, it's time to make the switch. I think it's really obvious. Mm-hmm. If you're a hockey fan, you've been following. Uh, with the defensive core, I really believe um, this core is the best group I think we've had in a long, long time. With Ritzelainen, I mean, if you watch his play, I mean, he's such a two-way player. I mean, he, he like you, you guys have alluded to, he makes the check. He's, he's aggressive. He attacks. Most of the time he's not caught out of position. He's also very offensive-minded. He's, he's a full package defensively. Um, I've been following the Sabres for, since the first season, since I was a kid. And uh, you know, Jim Schoenfeld was a defensive defenseman. Rich Linen does that. Uh, Halsey was an offensive defenseman. Didn't play great on D, uh, the blue line, but he was unbelievably offensive. Uh, Rich Linen does both. Uh, Deleen's very similar to um, – Deleen's got a lot of ability. Great skill set. You know, he, he's like Housley, uh, but a notch or better. He's got so much potential. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate what happened to Myers. And uh, so, I mean, I, I like the defensive core. I like the Cape, Rogosian. I think those four, I think the only thing the team is missing is one more forward that can score, that can get try to get on free agency. We put keep Omar in that, bring, get a hold of somebody, a rental. Yeah. I think they're going to lock their last spot. But no, I, I, um, I, I love Ritzelan. I. You know, I watch him day in and day out. Nice for the time, he's given 110%. And you guys even touched upon it, his, his ice time. I and mean, he's out there more than anybody. And that's, what is he still? He was at one point second in the league, I think, as far as uh, ice time. Is a, yeah, I think he might still be there. Uh, Jeff, thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I agree with most of that. And, uh, you know, the, the counter to Risto is always like his possession numbers and his shot attempt numbers. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit in the next segment, kind of try to give some context, because his numbers are bad, but I'll try to give some context how bad they really are. But like you said, there's a lot of good stuff to look at when you're watching him, the physicality, the offense. We'll continue to talk about that. Uh, Jeff, thanks for the call. 803 is the phone number if you also want to get in on the conversation. 550 is the text line, at SneakyJoeWGR on Twitter. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Derek Kramer on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.